0: Hello and welcome to the Counterpoint podcast. Uh, My name is Peter Richardson and I will be your host today. Today we're going to be talking about uh, eSIMs or embedded SIMs and I'm joined by two colleagues. So we have Karen Desaior. Hello, Karen. How are you today? I'm good, Peter. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well. And uh, my fellow research director, Neil Shah. Hi, Neil. How are you doing?
1: I am doing great, as always.
0: Good. Glad to hear it, Neil. Glad to hear it. Um, We are, of course, as usual, recording this from uh, various places around the world, so forgive any noises off, but we're going to be talking, as I say, about uh, the embedded SIM and how that's developing. Now, the eSIM has been around for actually about 10 years now, Um, but I I can remember a time I've been around quite a long time in the telecoms industry, and I can remember a time before SIM cards when, this is in the analog days, when it was a quite complex process to Combine a telephone number with a piece of equipment. And the emergence of the SIM, which really came in with GSM now 30 years ago, transformed that. So suddenly your telephone number and your subscriber identity was on a device that was a bit like a credit card, and you slotted that into the phone, and the phone became yours. Um, But the SIM card has transformed over the years, getting smaller. Obviously, the Credit card size is pretty difficult to manage in a small uh, small device so that SIM has become much smaller. But now we've reached a point where it is almost being dematerialized uh, and embedded in the, in the equipment. And having a SIM card has been fine when you're using a smartphone. But if you're talking about connecting a water meter or utility meter or a drone or even a car, Having a physical SIM is actually a bit more difficult to manage. So, taking the functionality of the SIM and putting it into some other format um, creates uh, you know, a, a much more usable um, piece of equipment. So, maybe we can start off, guys, by talking about this transition from, you know, a physical SIM card to something else. So. Um, Karen, maybe I can ask you to to kick us off here. So, can you talk about some of the differences between you know, the physical SIM and then taking that functionality putting it into other formats? So, I think this is where a lot of people get confused, right? So, we have you know the eSIM and then iSIM or Soft SIM. So, can you you know briefly kind of explain what the differences are between these different uh, different things?
2: Sure, Peter. Uh, like you said, Peter, like we're all familiar with the SIM card that we have to pop out from a previous phone and insert it into the new one to get connectivity. Uh, you know, something that we used to do or still, you know, are still used to doing in a lot in a lot of countries. Uh, the eSIM is different, though. Uh, you know, as the name suggests, the eSIM is built into the phone's board. Uh, it's completely re- rewritable and it works with like literally all the leading carriers uh, these days. And we have uh, eSIMs in a wide range of consumer products now. Uh, You know, you talk about smartphones, wearables to laptops. Now we also have, you know, B2B IoT devices, uh, such as smart meters, medical IoT devices, home automation and security systems, connected cars, and asset trackers, you know, that that support eSIM functionality. Uh, There are a few differences, though, uh, as as we've captured rightly in our report. We've we've featured three types of eSIMs. That's the eSIM. Uh, That's the embedded SIM, Uh, the ISIM, which is called the integrated SIM, uh, and the third category is the soft SIM. Uh, In terms of the differences between uh, these three, uh, ESIM and ISIM have a a similar philosophy in terms of taking the chip and its credentials from an insertable SIM card to the PCB of the product itself. Uh, There's a slight difference here though. in case of an eSIM, the chip is soldered onto the board, uh, whereas if, if we talk about an iSIM, uh, it goes uh, a stage further, uh, and it is integrated into the silicon design of an SOC.
0: So if I can if I can just jump in there, so uh, just clarify. So in the eSIM, we're talking about taking the physical elements that would otherwise be in the SIM card and just, I say just, but soldering those onto the Onto the board in some way, but within the the iSim, the same functionality is then uh, ingested into the silicon itself.
2: Goes uh, uh, into the system on chip.
0: Okay, and then Soft SIM.
2: Yeah, so software based Sim is is where the soft uh, Sim software is baked into the TEE or what we call the trusted execution environment. Or the SOC within the device. Uh, this this concept is also gaining a lot of popularity due to the obvious cost, uh, manufacturing, and logistical benefits. Uh, you hear of companies such as Red T Mobile, uh, KickSky, Sky, uh, that are partnering with OEMs, uh, operators across the world, and chipset vendors to drive eSIM capabilities at the core software level. Okay.
0: So, what are the, what are the different benefits of eSIM versus iSIM versus softSIM, um, and why are they better than physical sims um, yeah maybe you can you can talk a bit about that.
2: I think if, if we are to look at the benefits, I think we should split the benefits uh, across the value chain in terms of how uh, the new SIM concept or the eSIM concept benefits the consumers, designers, and you know the mobile network operators differently. Uh, if we talk about the consumers first, you know, eSIM offers great flexibility in terms of accessing services seamlessly and securely as well. Uh, at the same time, it offers time and cost savings associated with in-store provisioning or activation processes you know for which you have to travel as well and you know waste a lot of time too uh and like i said previously uh, since the eSIM is rewritable though the end users can also pick up a local prepaid phone number when they're traveling to a different country and, and avoid you know very hefty premium roaming fees so that's for the consumers and uh if, if we come to designers now uh You know, the obvious benefits uh, of eSIMs are the cost and space savings uh, that it enables. Uh, It offers features like thinner, smaller, and more power-sensitive device form factors. So the devices, the new devices are essentially very small and cheap as well. Uh, For carriers, uh, you know, eSIM is extending mobile connectivity to a whole new ecosystem of uh, consumer connected devices. So there are a lot of new business opportunities over there.
0: Okay. So Neil, can I can I bring you in to you know also talk about some of the the, the maybe the disbenefits and and certainly you know in in my discussions with different industry players, um, the mobile operators have perhaps been the you know dragging their feet a bit if i can put it like that or at least reluctant to you know move because they i think see the sim card as a kind of key point of leverage or a point of power in the relationship between the consumer and uh, themselves i think they understand very clearly in in a iot situation you know a utility meter that the the sim you know the physical sim is is not really you know very helpful in that context but within the smartphone space you know how how are they thinking about the the benefits and and risks of of moving to embedded sims
1: yeah so uh embedded sim has been a really uh a disruptive concept for everyone in the ecosystem uh, as Karen said right from uh component players contributing to mobile uh, device manufacturers uh, operators as well as uh, even cloud players uh, who are going to manage all these different uh, data points uh, and activation settings, uh, device management settings uh, in the cloud and providing services to uh, operators. So for operators, as as you rightly said, uh, so they enjoy the control uh, over uh, the SIM card and they have been enjoying and enjoying the secure element which is in the device which actually uh which they are offering and they can control it because uh, if you want to act, act, switch carriers you have to obviously uh in some countries void the contract or uh wait the contract to be finished and then move on to a different carrier uh but in many prepaid markets right uh, operators are very reluctant because uh with eSIM, the level of switching becomes seamless. Uh, it's very quick. So the churn uh, rate could be uh, very high uh, very quickly. Uh, and there are not many loose ends left for uh, operators to make that stop. So that flexibility is something what uh, operators have been reading about. And this is true mostly for smartphones, which have been the uh, high ARPU devices for operators or a high, a smartphone connections rather so if you look at iot for iot actually operators are very pro esim they want esim because as you said if there are, if there are like 10000 uh, water meters out in the wild uh, they they can't uh, send uh, the different uh, people to just change the sim cards or activate the devices so it has to be done remotely uh, to save activation cost So for those kind of devices, operators are very pro eSIM. And what has happened also is many operators are also seeing an opportunity while eSIM provides the flexibility to have multiple profiles, operator profiles on the device or on the eSIM. But some of the operators are actually just locking the eSIM as well. So it, it, it can only uh, allow one particular operator's profile, So the uh, especially for IoT devices. Because anyways, they don't roam much. But uh, in many cases, we are seeing that happening as well. So operators have some uh, amount of control still with the eSIM, especially in IoT space. But for smartphone, where a consumer is also having some control on what to choose, what not to choose, for them, uh, they don't want to see that control away from consumers.
0: Thanks, Neil. So thinking about the impact of the design of the smartphone, um, if, we, if we look at smartphones for a minute, um, how, what, what impacts can there be on the bill of material cost for smartphone designers when they're, when they're thinking about designing in, a, in an eSIM world versus a physical SIM world?
1: That's a great question. And I think that is one of the biggest benefit which eSIM brings. The, uh, the the traditional eSIM foam factor, which is the eSIM chip, which is in a MFF2 foam factor, which is like five millimeter into six millimeter uh, 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 area, basically. So like 30 millimeter square. It's a very tiny chip and it, it helps designers uh, save a lot of board space, uh, especially that y- huge slot you have for, a SIM card these days, right? So that is completely gone. For example, Motorola launched their uh, Razor in 2020 edition. It was the first eSIM-only smartphone in the world. No physical slot. So so with foldable foam factors coming in and you're going to have a lot of design challenges, uh, uh, I think eSIM comes to the party and saves uh, designers a lot of space, a lot of cost. Uh, they can add bigger batteries, uh, they can add more waterproofing, uh, IP68 type rigidized ratings or uh, 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 capabilities to the device. And uh, if you look at from the bill of materials, there are uh, while the particular MFF2 based form factor could cost anywhere from a eu- one euro, but there are different form factors like WLCSU wafer level chipset packaging; those are even tinier uh which does not require more memory uh so uh, in those scenarios you will have even smaller uh, smaller chip and uh and then when you move to uh, integrated sim world where the euicc or the iuicc that is the os the eSIM os is stored within the secure uh processing unit in your soc which is the application processor so in that scenarios you don't need any soldered chip onto your board. So it's like 100% savings and it becomes even more inexpensive because it, it, it is directly into the SOC. So in that case, you'll uh, eventually uh, the entire industry can save, save a lot of uh, cost and uh, can add a lot of different features uh, uh, in lieu of no SIM card. Mm.
0: And, I, and I guess, you know, beyond even the space saving aspect you know even having the physical sim tray which you need to find a a position for and you know have a cut out in the side of the phone so you know even not having that element um can really assist in terms of the product design
1: absolutely because if we are moving into a millimeter wave based 5g world the, placing the antenna is the biggest challenge, the antenna modules, right? So uh, any space which they can get to position those modules where you accidentally don't uh, cover the antenna modules, right? It's going to be a huge benefit.
0: Yeah. And I think if we if we look at the specific manufacturers that have been leading the charge here, uh, you know, Apple is, is, I guess, the poster child for uh, the introduction of, of eSIM. Um, you know, Apple has been a a leader, I think, in many aspects of, of product design, you know, from taking away the headphone jack and things like that. So we saw Apple really kind of being the first, but, you know, Google uh, with its pixel range has followed and then Samsung has enabled eSIM functionality as well on some of its uh, newer flagship products. Um, but quite often these devices are offering, you know, some level of of kind of dual SIM functionality. So they're retaining the physical SIM, but also offering a, an e-sim so how long should we or you know over what timeline should we expect um e-sim to you know filter down into you know down the range of products and become much more widely available in your view neil
1: yeah uh i think it's a function of uh different markets uh not all markets are as advanced uh still we see many operators we have like uh thousands of operators uh if you include mnos and uh globally and uh, maybe in some advanced markets you could see some skews would be just esim only like motor razor as, as i said 2020 is the first esim only phone uh and as you go with uh, uh newer form factors like foldable phones i i see this happening more and more uh in future but down to mainstream and mass market level, uh, I would say uh, at least mainstream level where you see phones uh, in high tier and premium tier, we could see by 2025, once the introduction of integrated SIM comes in, uh, uh, we could see uh, many bulk of those uh, phones in those price segment would uh, do away with uh, a physical tray SIM card. Okay.
0: You, you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, the- complexities of designing for millimeter wave so does the shift to 5g and perhaps in you know in the iot world things like mbiot um is 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 that a driver to you know uh, push the adoption of e-sim more generally i mean you know maybe you can talk a little bit about the you know what our expectations are in terms of the um Devices out there that have eSIM capability, uh, you know, as part of this. So, are we are we kind of close to that inflection point, or is it going to be a fairly kind of long drawn out, um, you know, kind of takeoff here? Do you think? Uh,
1: uh, that's a great question. So, if you look at every. Uh, uh, device segment even if you consider vehicle or connected car as a device uh, which is a connected device right in a sense so we are seeing the highest adoption right now for eSIM is in vehicles so most of the cars connected are now coming up with eSIM based modules and TCOs Uh, they're hardly it's very difficult to open a car and put a SIM card right so uh, eSIM functionality especially in Europe uh, where uh, there is there are hardly any borders where you can just travel across uh, and you need you have those roaming agreements and the car if it is connected it needs to seamlessly switch right so uh, we are seeing a, high, a very high uh, adoption almost 70 to 80% level adoption of esim already in uh, vehicles uh when you then you move to iot iot also is driven by a lot of modules all uh, iot modules and those iot modules are also become uh, having a lot of cost pressures especially for lpwa low power wireless access tech modules which is as you rightly mentioned NB-IoT, ltm cat1 all those kind of different modules uh, there is huge cost pressure to bring the module prices under five dollars uh, and for that, if the module price is under $5, then you, ca- you are not going to pay $1 uh, for, uh, for a huge slot uh, or, or even a physical eSIM, right? So we are seeing a lot of adoption of iSIM-based solution, integrated SIM-based solution already uh, within the IoT world. So it has gone one step ahead, uh, even skipping eSIM in many cases, Uh, that is an embedded chipset-based SIM. So those are the areas, IoT, uh, then you would say smartwatch, also is one of the segment which, by de facto, all the cellular smartwatch, we are seeing almost 80 to 90% of the smartwatches are already uh, eSIM capable. And uh, eSIM is being used because the form factor is also very small. The only uh, lagging segment is uh, right now smartphone, but this is growing fast, fast as well. Compared, but compared to other segments, we are seeing already greater adoption of embedded SIM and iSIM.
0: Thanks, Neil. So, turning our attention to the um, the way in which eSIMs are being uh, enabled within the network. So, you know, we have a number of players, you know, in the uh, in the eSIM ecosystem. Many of those have come from uh, the traditional kind of SIM card uh, background, but we have new players as well. So, Karen, can you talk about who who are some of the leaders in the eSIM uh, space at the moment, and you know what they bring to the party? Sure,
2: sure. Thanks, Peter. So, there there, there are two ways uh, uh, in which we look at the eSIM ecosystem. Uh, one aspect is the eSIM enablement bit, and the the other aspect is eSIM management. Uh, so there are uh, a number of players that cut across both of these categories and have end-to-end solutions. So uh, I'll talk about manage the, the enablement side first. So uh, like last year, uh, we have the two usual suspects, uh, Thales and uh, GND. that are leading uh, the eSIM enablement space uh, along with you know players such as Idemia and Valid. And you know something, a few things that set them apart from the competition are obviously. You know the fact that they have robust eSIM enablement com- capabilities, along with you know having their own embedded uh, secure elements uh, and EUICC and i u s c c operating systems, uh, which they've developed for consumer, automotive, and IoT applications. So, you know these are some of the things that that you know differentiate uh, these top four players from uh, from from the lot. Uh, and if we talk about the leader, the overall leader in eSIM enablement um, uh, for this year, it's Thales. You know, because it scores uh, very well across different parameters, uh, which we use to assess uh, all of the ecosystem players. A few few things that I'd like to mention about what Thales has done differently is, you know, obviously it has uh, four GSMA uh, SaaS certified sites for uh, EU ICC production. And, uh, you know, Thales has also established a very strong consumer eSIM offerings, uh, enabling smartphones, uh, tablets, PCs. Smart for you know all the all the major brands uh, from Samsung to Microsoft uh, and Motorola as well. Uh, it is also amongst the leaders in supporting many ESIM enabled uh, industrial IoT applications. Uh, if we talk about energy and utilities, uh, security and home automation, uh, asset tracking, and point of uh, point of sales uh, terminals.
0: Okay, Th- thanks, Karen. That's that, that's that's helpful, and I, I would just say that. Um... Your, to do a bit of advertising here so counterpoint has been tracking the esim space for you know several years and we're just uh in the process of publishing our latest update on this um and it's a super comprehensive report that runs you know across the whole kind of end to end space so um and Karen's been been leading a lot of the research there so if you do want to know more about this please do contact us and we'll be happy to happy to talk you through but just just before we wrap up Karen, looking ahead, um, you know, maybe a, a kind of a future-looking thought on you know how we see um, eSIM and iSIM gaining traction here uh, over the next few years. How how would you like to kind of summarize that?
2: Sure. Uh, so as you know, Peter, GSMA has not yet uh, defined the iSIM from a security and remote provisioning perspective. Uh, You know, this is still a major barrier for for ISIM's adoption uh, at a larger scale. But we we do expect the ISIM to be implemented widely starting uh, 2022. Uh, And players like ARM and Qualcomm and some of the other big MNOs that that have already taken big strides towards ISIM would be the ones that would be driving it. Uh, And if, uh, you know, ISIM is standardized in, let's say, the next two years or so, we should see a rapid adoption and tough competition to you know for the hardware based eSIM category in, in probably the next five years, you know, considering the convenience cost and you know board savings that ISIM offers uh, over the eSIM.
0: All right. So good good point I think on which to to wrap up. So yeah. Thanks Karen. Thanks Neil for for joining us today.
2: Appreciate it, Peter. Thank you very much.
0: All right and uh yeah everyone else if uh, as i say if you, if you do want to learn more about the the overall kind of esim ecosystem please do get in contact with us we have a fantastic report on which you can uh, dig into many of these details and do tune in next time for uh, the next counterpoint podcast thank you very much have a great day bye now